0: I've entitled my message, That Little Word. And the word is, if you see it on the screen, you can repeat it or say it with me. The word is one. Let's say it together. One. First, I want to talk about the power of one human. Hmm. I want to read a few verses from John chapter 12. And this is from the New Living Translation, and I think we'll have it on the screen so you can follow along. But here's Jesus speaking again. and He says, "I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world, will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. The power of one individual to significantly impact another individual or many individuals is absolutely unbelievable. The key is, as I read these verses from John 12, burying yourself in favor of others for the sake of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, to the glory of Jesus. Some time ago, I was reminded of an article that was published, uh, was, it appeared in a publication that I, I read, this is a few years back, And uh, this is just part of it, but I want to read a little piece of it here. And the theme was, uh, it embraced the words and the thoughts of John 12, verses 24, especially in 25. Namely, the power of one. And that's what it was entitled. The editor brought together several testimonials from individuals whose lives had been significantly impacted by others. Included were the the power of one teacher... let your mind wander, even in your own life history, the power of one student, the power of one friend, the power of one pastor, maybe, the power of one personality. The list could go on and on and on indefinitely. Isn't it amazing how one individual can make such a powerful, lasting impression on us that it actually shapes who we are? We never can get away from it. We never escape the power and the impact that that person has had in the various areas of our lives. Think about this. I know I began to think about it again, and I do this often. I immediately began to search my mind in an effort to find those individuals who have affected me the most during my lifetime. And then I try to boil it down to say, well, what is one single Person Or who is one single person who's had the greatest impact on my life? And then I would ask you to do the same thing. Who is the one individual, the one single person, who has had the most impact in your life to this point? And all to the glory of God, may I add. You see, you can do it. You can do it. Have you ever kind of scrutinized your own life and the impact you might be having on someone else and have you ever made it your aim to powerfully influence others again all for the glory of God you can do it i can do it and we all can do it you may never be on the front cover of time I've been waiting to see certain pictures on there, and I haven't seen mine yet. And I'm sorry to tell you, I hate to report this, I haven't seen yours either. Matter of fact, they're not even appearing on national television, or even for that matter, probably the local media. But I want to just say that, regardless of those facts, you can still make a phenomenal difference in somebody's life. You can. A very powerful difference in the life of of whoever it might be, and you put the the name in there, and in their lives of of growing, and especially as we think of it spiritually, helping people to know God and helping people to grow in grace and helping people to mature in their faith, you can do it. So think about it. Somebody may be in heaven because of you. That's an awesome thought. That's an awesome thought. Somebody may have kept going. They just pursued when they were tempted to give up. And they did so because of you. Somebody may actually be active in their church and in the life of the church and the body of Christ Because of your life and your example. Think of that. Somebody may be in a ministry of some kind that they or you would probably never have dreamed of, but all because you lived and you prayed in a manner that inspired them to keep moving on and keep developing and keep reaching out. I say this with a heart full of love for every one of you. Do not sell yourself short. Do not put yourself down to a place where you say, well, I don't have an impact. I don't think I would inspire or encourage or impact anyone else. Uh, Let me just say this. You can have an impact that will last throughout eternity. You can take this one home. You can have an impact on somebody that will last throughout eternity. So here in John chapter 12 is Jesus. And by using the analogy between simply a grain of wheat, really? And each one of us, that's the comparison or the analogy. He reveals the potential of a life fully devoted to God. He answers the question, what difference can one person make? You might be asking that question yourself. And his teaching can inspire and guide you in your life of discipleship today. So listen carefully and heed his word. So Jesus declares in this portion of Scripture the value of one. He put the emphasis on a single grain of wheat, And I thought, well, I could get a single grain of wheat and bring it and show you, but even in my hand, you probably wouldn't see it. Within each seed, there is the miraculous capability to reproduce. Each seed is created to bring forth a new manifestation of life. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Seeds, do you know, that I I, I looked at this this not too long ago and I came across a a comment uh, that, that just startled me. Archaeologists doing digs in areas that they believe to be somewhere near 4,000 years old have found seeds that were, even though still dormant, had potential to reproduce. The glory of Christianity is its claim that small things really do matter and that the small company The very few people, the one man, the one woman, the one child, are of infinite, 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 infinite worth to God. That includes every one of us. Aren't you glad? Turn to someone and say, you have infinite worth. Just turn to someone and say that. You know why I had you do that? Because every person in this room has infinite worth. Whether you think you do or not. Whether someone has told you otherwise or not. My friend, in the sight of God, you have infinite worth. It's a great thing to know. But wait a minute. Let's back up. Let's look at Jesus in John 12, 24 one more time. Here's what he says, unless it dies, it will be alone, a single seed, that's all it will be, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? Mm. In the natural world, we know that when a seed dies, it actually germinates. It's not destroyed. It's released to achieve the miracle of its mission. This is what Jesus means when he calls us to die for him. He has no desire to negate our lives. He doesn't want to destroy us. But rather he has every interest in using us beyond our own self-containment. Because that seed that just lives alone, will die and will produce nothing. Our lives germinate with, when we give them to him. If the truth be known, that one person who so powerfully influent, influenced us or maybe still is influencing us, influencing us was willing to die to his own interests. That person who impacted my life at an early age was willing to kind of forego his own ambitions in favor of God's plan for his life and for mine. Wow. Wow. Have you ever looked at our world with all of its needs? Have you ever seen a world that had so many needs? Have you ever seen this world with so many needs? And ask yourself, Wow! I look out at that and I say, well, what difference could I make Well, you might not be able to change the whole world, but you can make a difference in your circle of influence. Your sphere of influence has somebody in it whose life you could touch and impact for eternity. The world is waiting, my friends, but time is fleeting. You see, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. And by the time you get to it, you've got another tomorrow and another yesterday. And if all you're going to do is worry about it, you'll never get anything done. People don't seem to have any concept now of time, of numbers. Uh, I can remember as a youngster or even a young adult, People would say, you know so-and-so, Mr. Yes, I do, yes. Do you know he's a millionaire? And my mind would almost blow up, like a millionaire, a million what? A million dollars, he's worth a million dollars. And I used to think that was so astronomical, it wasn't even real. I mean, nobody could ever attain that. Well, a couple decades later, the word million was replaced with another word yeah million with a b and people and I know in my legislative service I went from dealing in local politics in hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of dollars budgets to 6 and 7 billion dollar budgets and I never I never did get that through this skull that's that's a lot now those words are all passé that's chump change cuz there's a new word now It starts with a T. So would you like to have an idea of how these things explode? Because people don't have a strong intuitive sense of how much bigger one billion is than one million. So let's do a little exercise. One million seconds, you with me, is 11 days. One billion seconds is 31.5 years. And one trillion seconds is 31,710 years. Is that making it easier to understand? Because we deal with seconds. We live our lives in seconds. We time everything by seconds and minutes and hours and days. So it goes from 11 days, to 31 and a half years, to 31,000, almost 32,000 years. People don't seem to have that concept. And I think that's the one reason people give up too soon, because everything is so enormous, and everything is so gigantic, and everything is so, what's the modern word, humongous, that, that now, well, what can I do? How can I have an impact? How can I have any effect on anybody? Dr. John Getty, who was a Presbyterian missionary many, many, many years ago, went to a little island in the South Pacific. It was Anatayam. It was, it was, Anatayam is uh, the pronunciation of it, and I could find it for you on a map, but it would take a few minutes. He arrived in that little South Pacific island in 1848, and he worked there for God tirelessly for 24 years. There's a tablet on that island, erected to his memory, and here are the words that are inscribed. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. When he left in 1872, there were no heathen. J.O. Sanders, in a book called Spiritual Leadership, wrote these beautiful words. My life shall touch a dozen lives before this day is done. Leave countless marks for good or ill, ere sets the evening sun. This is the wish I always wish, the prayer I always pray. Lord, may my life help other lives it touches by the way. Another wrote these words. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I might live like Thee." What difference can one little life make? Going back to history, let's talk about a man by the name of Mahatma Gandhi. He made a fundamental decision to expel the British power force out of India. (laughs) This choice, founded in authentic power, was more powerful than the force of all the guns and and bombs of an entire empire. And the British Empire was pretty huge at that time. A little, just a short, frail man with those uh, iron-rimmed glasses. And he moved out an entire empire without a single bullet. You see, the power of one can be seen everywhere if you're open to look. I like sports, and in the world of sports, uh, some athletes are referred to as the franchise. In other words, everything's built on that team is built around that big superstar. That's great. In politics, I won't give you a lot of examples, but there are some, and I would uh, refer you to the life story of Abraham Lincoln. And see how many times one vote made the difference for Abraham Lincoln. See how many times legislation that he was promoting got through because of one person who was convinced. In medicine, you could, there are several. But in most cases, it would be an obscure scientist who just kept laboring on this one project over and over and over for the benefit of mankind. In religion, you could take people like Billy Graham and, and others like him. In, in race relations, I mean, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would come up first, I'm sure. In the Bible, even. In Moses and Joshua and Gideon and David and Nehemiah and Daniel and Paul. and You could go right back up to the top and down again with seven or eight or ten more names. These people had a singular mission in life, and they lived it and worked it and believed it and impacted thousands and thousands of people. In church history, I think of the Wesley brothers. John Wesley... Rode horseback 20 miles a day for 40 years. He preached over 40,000 sermons. He wrote 400 books. (laughs) Did he have any impact? Well, I love this little story. I've read it before, and I think I've shared it before. An English nobleman traveling through the countryside stopped to ask a peasant, Say, Why is it I can't find a place where I can buy a drink of liquor in this wretched village? The peasant looked up and said, Well, you see, my lord, about a hundred years ago, a man named John Wesley came preaching in these parts. Impact? Over a hundred years later, impact? And his brother Charles Wesley, another great revival preacher, and Martin Luther... How can we remember the Great Reformation? And D.L. Moody and, and, and people of that stature, the great evangelists. If you're anything like me, you might be saying, oh, that's good. That's a, I, all those names, all those famous people and all the powerful things that they did. That's all well and good. The list goes on and on and on. And I really love hearing that, Bob. But I'm not, I'm not that high. I'm not on that list. I could never be of that caliber. No, Bob, you set set that bar too high. I could never attain. I'm just an ordinary person. These were all ordinary people who thought just like you did. I I, I won't impact or influence a whole lot of people, but I can just do what God called me to do, and I'll do it. I mean, Bob, how can my life make any difference? How can I impact people? In Acts chapter 4, We get a glimpse. In verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Can I say that again? And realized they were unschooled and ordinary men. Those are pretty uh, heavy words right there. They were, the public, the people around, the folks that had gathered, the crowd, they were astonished. Now listen to this. And they took note... That these men had been with Jesus. You know, don't sit in that chair. I know it's comfy. And say, oh, I'm only me. I couldn't do anything. I don't, have, I don't have that high status of living. I couldn't do... They took note that they were unschooled, unlearned men. Who had been with Jesus. Are you walking with Jesus? Do you know him? Is he leading you? Here's a great quote, a quote by a writer, Sonia Johnson. We must remember that one determined person can make a significant difference and that a small group of determined people can change the course of history. And if you're doubting that, just read history. Just become a history person. And you'll soon see it's very, very true. I'm not losing my mind, but I wouldn't need to ask you a question. How many of you like to play dominoes? Okay, you two, listen to me now. (laughs) I know that's not true. How many of you like the game of dominoes? In some form or another, you like playing dominoes. Okay. Oh, you're thinking pizza, of course. Uh, (laughs) Where's my brain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I know a lot of people like to play it, and um, and some people, um, like how many like to set them up and knock them down? <laughs> yeah, right, I'm getting there. You go to the Guinness <laughs> uh, uh, Book of World Records, that is incredible. You, you can't even keep up, they, they can't keep them updated. The last one I saw, the person who had the world record. It was like up in the hundreds of thousands of dominoes, and then they have groups now that do it. They, they like three, four, five, whatever number, and they set them all up. Takes days. They're up in the millions. It's unbe- unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. But anyway, I love. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got one with me right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got one up there too. See, I'm going to do a little, uh, a little power of one thing, and I hope you will just. My uh, algebra teacher or uh, geometry teacher would say, now put on your thinking cap. <laughs> I, used to say, I don't know where that is. I lost it. I don't know where the button is. So I want you to think with me, and I want to, by geometric progression, show you the power of one. My domino right here, is 2 inches wide. That's 2 inches. I measured it the other day because I thought it looks a little bit more than 2 but even if it were, I'd still say, imagine it being 2 inches, but it is 2 inches, okay? So if I stand that up and put a bunch of other 2 inchers down there and knock that, it could, it could topple them. You know how that works, right? Yep. We used to do that on our pool table, that was fun, yep. But here's what I'm going to ask that you do in your mind. Pretend you've got a domino too, 2 inch domino, okay? I want you to increase the size of the domino by 50%. Can anybody tell me what the next domino is going to be? How long is it going to be? Huh? It's going to be three inches. You increase it by 50%. 50% of two is one. So the next one will be three inches. Got it? Everybody with me? Okay. If you increase the next domino, and we're going to every increase we do is going to be by 50% increase. You increase the next domino, it's going to go up to... It's probably on the screen for you, so you can cheat. How much? Four and a half. half. You are wicked chap. (laughs) Then you increase it 50% again, and it's going to go up to... Six and three quarter inches. So now you're getting a nice-sized domino there. Now, if you continue that exercise one step at a time, 50% every time, for 18 moves... you will have a domino as tall as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. If you continue our little exercise that we just started, and you keep increasing every domino by 50%, when you've gone 22 moves, you'll be as tall as the Eiffel Tower in Paris. If you do that exercise Again, and keep moving and increase by 50% every time. By the time you've hit your 30th turn, you'll be at the top of Mount Everest. Now, listen to this one. If you continue this same exercise that we started with the two inch domino, went to three, went to four and a half, went to six and uh, three quarters, blah, 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 and you keep going on your 54th move of doing that, you'll be almost to the moon, look up here, the power of one, the power of one, don't you ever be caught saying, oh, I could never, do blah, 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 I could never, blah, blah, the power of one, when God created you, he created a whole number. God created someone who is perfect in description, in creation. And you can do things you never dreamed you could do. Einstein, they said, used probably less than 10% of his brain power. What does that say about us? Yeah, and I, and I, and I, I say it humorously, but really, never underestimate yourself. So now I'm going back to John chapter 12 because I just keep getting drawn into that verse, or those uh, few verses. So starting at verse 24, I would like to read, I don't think I have this on the screen for you, but I'd like to read it from the message. Here's what it says. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. I love those words. If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, Jesus said, ready to serve at a moment, at at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone. Who serves me. Now, let me just unpack those verses quickly for you. The words, bury your life in serving others. Remember, Jesus died so that we might live, and we have to die in order that he can live through us. And I mean die die to self, die to our own ambitions, die to our own plans and, and, and purposes, and live unto him. Set, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And this is so important today. Because we get so caught up in so many different things and we're going every which way, all the directions you can possibly go. And then he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So once we are are dead to sin, once we have committed ourselves to Jesus Christ, and once we are safe in him, we we are now hidden with him in God. In other words, we have a total insulated protection, just like that grain of wheat. Be reckless in your love for God and for others. I couldn't get by this portion of Scripture nor this theme, which I've been working on for a month, just thinking about different aspects of it that might catch your attention. But I want to I read a piece from a message from the master pulpiteer, the prince of preachers himself, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Longtime pastor of the great Tabernacle Church in um, The Spurgeon Tabernacle in London, England. And I'm quoting. Because that's the only way I could capture Charles Spurgeon. (laughs) Two seeds lie before us. The one is warmed in the sun. The other falls from the sower's hand into the cold, dark earth. And there it lies, buried beneath the soil. That seed, which suns itself in the noontime beam... May rejoice in the light in which it basks but it is liable to be devoured by the bird and certain nothing can come of it however long it might linger above ground above ground but the other seed hidden beneath the clods in a damp dark sepulcher soon swells germinates bursts in its sheath throws off the mold springs up a green blade, buds, blossoms, becomes a flower, exhales perfume, and loads the wings of every wind. What language? Better far for the seed to pass into the earth and die than to lie in the sunshine and produce no fruit. And even so for you, the future in its sorrow shall be as a sowing in a fertile land. Tears shall moisten you. Grace shall increase within you. And you shall grow up in the likeness of your Lord unto perfection of holiness. To be such a flower of God's own planting as even angels shall delight to gaze upon in the day of your transplanting to the celestial soil. Thank you. Thank you, Spurgeon. End of quote. The power of one human that little word one pastor Bob I'm only one I can't do anything hear hear honey instead you ought to say I'm only one but I am one I can't do everything but I can do something And what I can do, I ought to do, and by the grace of God, I will do, the power of one. Secondly, quickly, I want us to look at the power of one word, or it could be one thought. I'm going to bring you all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and we're going to kind of check in at chapter 3, which is the trouble chapter. Chapter. we knew everything was too rosy to be too good and then we hit chapter 3 and I just want to read verse 1 and and I'm going to read this by the way from the King James Version uh, just because of the language here and something I want to point out to you now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made by the way if you've dealt anything with him in your life you know how subtle he is you know how smooth he is you know how much trickery he has. And he, the serpent, said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The first word that the serpent speaks in the scripture is yea. Or we would say and translate it, yes. Yes in the temptation of Eve. Temptation to sin is always going to be presented by the devil as positive. The devil will never ever show you the negative side of sinful living. So right now, from the scriptures, I want us to look at some examples of the devil's positive presentations of sin. And by the way, by the way, the devil in uh, Genesis chapter 3 uh, never refuted what God said. He never denied what God said, and he never said that that was a lie, it was an untruth. All he did was ask Eve a question and planted a doubt. And brothers and sisters, she's all downhill from there. Mm. Mm. So I want to give you just a few examples of how this works. David and Bathsheba. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I'm going to trust that you know a good part of it. 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you don't know it, you can look it up. There's a time when David uh, David sent his men to war. They were fighting war. David, the great warrior, stays home. He's in bed. What's with this? Then he finally gets up. He gets all, goes on the roof of his house, saw a lady bathing at her bath. And look at verse 2. Of, of 2 Samuel 11, the, the word beautiful. Ha <laughs> ha, beautiful. So he sends for this beautiful woman. The rest is history. Beautiful, see, is a positive word because the devil never shows you the ugly side of sin. Never. Never. I guess he just figures you're smart enough, you'll figure it out yourself. Mm, thank you. Then in Joshua chapter 7, there's a man called Achan. And not too long ago, Pastor Todd referred to Achan and, and preached a, a good message on that. And, um, yeah, so Achan, what's his story? Well, he tried hiding his sin. He was told, they were told not to take any of the spoils of the campaign, and he decided he needed some of that to enrich himself, and he hid it. And in verse 21 of, chapter, of Joshua 7, the word goodly is used. Goodly, we don't use that too often now, but it's a positive word. And again, the devil will never show you the bad side of sin, Israel would lose the next battle, the battle of Ai. And the fact is, Achan and his family would also lose their battle because he wasn't going to war with the army again. The family was completely wiped out. And then there's Lot. In Genesis chapter 13, he chose, the Bible says in verse 10, well-watered land. You know what well-watered land means? It was a favorable land. It was a table land. It was good land. In other words, he looked at that piece of land over Jordan, that plain and he saw the favorable, well-watered condition of that land and that's what he took. He didn't really seem to care that it was going to lead him straight to Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, uh, I think the devil left out a few details. And Lot fell for it, hook, line, and sink. The devil will never show you the unfavorable side of sin, my friend. The fact is, Lot would end up backsliding terribly and live in the land of unbridled debauchery. And the fact is, he would lose his married daughters and his wife, so sad. The fact is, he would end up in a cave, drunk, Committing incest with his two single daughters. The fact is, if this story could be any sadder, I don't know what it would look like. Oh, but the devil forgot to tell him about those pitfalls. Hmm. And then another great uh, example right here in Genesis chapter 3, the first seven verses. Notice in verse 6 the word good, which means positive. Pleasant, which is positive. Wise, which is positive. You see, the devil is pretty pretty wily. He will always present sin as something good for you. Something that you will enjoy, so it will be pleasant. The smart choice for you, so you're wise to choose it. And he'll never show you the negative side of any of it. The fact is this, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin so death passed upon all men, we know that, don't we, for that all have sinned. Yeah, all have sinned. Not not, not some have sinned, all have sinned. The devil will always present the things of God in a negative light and his way in a positive light. You can take Satan's positive presentation of sin and see how he has used it to destroy much of the moral fiber of our world. And I'm going to just say, particularly, our nation. Today, just one thing I think of that's so prevalent, and it's in so many forms. One sin today is lying. Lying is everywhere. It's in leadership. Uh, We pick on the leaders. It's in politics. We pick on the politicians. But it's true. It's in the legal system. Oh, my. It's ripe with it. It's in business transaction. It's in the media. No. We used to have that little saying. You probably never heard it. Liar, liar." liar. Oh, you have heard it. And that's what you do, you laugh when you hear it. Yeah. I recited that to myself one day, I hope nobody was passing by my study door. And I thought, wait, 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 wait! What if that were true? And then my mind just, it just flipped on and I thought, liar, liar, pants on fire? If that were true, wouldn't it be fun to turn on every day the nightly network news coverage. <laughs> I would sit there 24 hours watching that. <laughs> Woo! I do sit there as it is, like liar, 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 pants on fire, liar, but wow, that would be something to watch. Friends, friends, the devil hasn't changed one bit. He still uses the same approach on people, on me, on you, and on everybody else. I'm afraid today in some places. And I'm not pointing fingers and I'm not I'm really not criticizing anybody in particular. I wouldn't want to do that. But I'm afraid some people come to churches in some places to be entertained. And I want to say, well, you're going to church. What about the people next door? Are they Christians yet? Do you even know them? Have you ever shared your faith with them? Did somebody, I wonder, ever tell you about God? I know people are different now. Times have not changed. People have. And they have changed. People's needs haven't, though. They still need a Savior. They still need hope for eternity. They still need Jesus. But I want to look on the bright side this morning. Praise God, we have examples of those who did not fall into the devil's trap. And one of the most prominent and one of my all-time favorites was Joseph. He was tempted by Potiphar's wife to lie with him, Genesis 39. You can read that story. Notice Joseph's response to Satan's presentation in verse 9. And here's what he said. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? There's a man who lived in the moment. There's a man who had spiritual consciousness. He said, how can I do this great sin? Wow. It's awful. And I want to tell you something. God needs men and women in our world who are prepared in their heart and determined like Joseph was, and determined like Daniel. Daniel d- d- determined he would not defile himself with the things of this world. And I want to challenge you to be a Christian who has purposed in your heart to live for the Lord. Your main purpose is to be pleasing in God's sight. Will you be a Christian who sees sin as God sees it, as a great wickedness? Will you be a Christian who, when tempted... Will flee and get away from it and get yourself out of that situation. The story's often been told. It does bear one more repeating. It's a story of the young lad climbing to the top of a snow capped mountain. Then a rattlesnake crawled up to him and said, Boy, I'm about to die. There is no food. And besides, I'm cold. Take me with you down to the valley. And the boy said, nope. Nope, you'll bite me. I know you're kind. Oh, no, the snake said. I won't. I'll treat you differently. You'll be special. And I won't bite you. Well, the boy took the snake. And when they got to the valley, he turned him loose. But as he laid him down on the earth, the snake coiled, rattled, and bit the boy. And the boy said, but you told me you wouldn't bite. And the boy looked up and said, you knew what I was when you picked me up. Dear friend, hear me, hear me out. Poison kills, believe it or not. Fire burns, believe it or not. Satan is real. Believe it or not. And those who may be here think that hell is not literal. The devil has already got you where he wants you in your thinking process. There's a hell to shun, but oh, there's a heaven to gain. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, I fear lest someone somehow, as the serpent deceived or beguiled Eve by his craftiness, So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Thank you, Paul. You know, I can hear someone, I can hear Satan even agreeing with a person right now. I wonder, I wonder, like, I I don't know. I I don't know whether I want to keep going to that church. I don't know if I want to witness to that neighbor. I don't think I want to be involved in that area of ministry anymore. I don't know if it's... And Satan says, yes, 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 you're fine. You worked all week. You've, uh, you've gone long enough. Uh, it's your only day to rest. You just take it easy and enjoy yourself. I want to leave you with one thought. One thought. If Christ could die for us, surely we can live for him. The power of one human, that's you. And the power of one word. the power of one. Ah, oh, that little word, one, one. One. Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for imparting to us your salvation. Thank you for giving us the faith to believe and to trust and to follow you. And God, for every person here who names the name of Jesus and is truly a Jesus follower in every sense of the word, may we each one continue to grow in grace and in our knowledge of you. And for that one or those ones who have not yet said an eternal yes to you, God, I would pray that even this day, this very hour, may be the moment of salvation, may be the day that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, may be the time when they turn from anything they've trusted in in the past and now trust fully and completely in you. God bless these words. They're your words. This is your eternal word. And for it we are eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, And the church said,